gonna do something new today, and I'm pretty sure. Oh, we're on. He's not. He's not gonna fail us today. Oh, well, usually we get to talk over the opening music, but I didn't even hear it. Uh, you never hear it. <laughs> There's no music here. Hi guys, what's happening? All right, well, uh, we're live again, man. It's another Monday. Yeah, it's almost May. May. So yeah, springtime. Summertime, right around the corner. I got a new doc. I'm ready to roll. Doc. I, when he told me that, I thought he said dog. And I thought, nah. And I thought, no. no doc. I'm going to go doc. fishing, man. Right on. So uh, first thing we do every week, give away some stuff. Always. Right on, man. Preferred reefers. All right. So prefer, be careful with this message or uh, care, listen carefully because they're going to learn something new today. Uh, all right. So uh, William Peace uh, from uh, Moorville, Pennsylvania. He's got $46. Shopping cart. Shopping cart. Oh, sweet. So it's Pro Reef Salt and uh, Tropic Marin. Uh, oh, Tropic Marine 80 gallon Pro Reef Salt. A small bucket. Yep. And uh, Mr. Chili Static Clean. <laughs> yeah. No way. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, $46. Going back to your account. Buy right that on, salt man. and get that Static Clean. Can we charge $3 for that thing? You should get that. There's a lot of time it's promotional. So, oh, actually, salt. yeah, I don't Let's know. Yeah. yeah, you're right. All right. Uh, and then we got another one. Assault Salt. The theme of the day, I guess. Uh, Lucas uh, Ledrocat uh, from Duluth, Georgia. That was gonna be Minnesota. Nah, no, I thought so. Uh, and uh, HW Marine Mix Salt, 160 gallons, two of them, $139.98. Going back to your account. Bravo, man. Uh, you can go buy something else. Maybe some more salt. Maybe more salt. Right. Your supply. All right, sweet. Uh, and salt is it? Oh, HW. Okay. And uh, Ben Tran uh, from Caddy, Texas, has got. 39 pounds of Reef Saver Shelf Aquarium Live Rock. The good stuff. $272. You're not gonna believe this, man, but I was just spending an hour talking to both Joe and Mark, like literally up at like 60 seconds ago. Oh yeah, yeah about so, rocks? Yeah, just about rocks. Nice. Yeah, so, uh, and uh, yeah. our finance director, uh -huh. and I can't really tell you what it is, the whole month, I think. You know, I, I don't know. Oh yeah. I, I, like I think something big is, is coming for happened. the whole month of May. Mm. Well, okay. so a couple of reasons. Never. Uh, in all of the, the, the like twelve years of bulk wow. resupply, we've never done this idea yet. Preferred reefers, get your account switched to preferred reefer <laughs> right now. Cool. Uh, on, on top of that, like every the first Saturday of every month, we have ten times rewards points for Community Appreciation Day. Uh, 10 times rewards points on most stuff out there. So that would be this Saturday. Um, what, if it, what if it wasn't only Saturday? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see what happens, man. We got a bunch of ideas, and it's literally only two days away, man. So, I mean, who knows? Yeah. I, literally, I came on into this morning and said, you know what, guys, we got to do something fun. May. Uh, so we'll, May see, we'll see what happens. Is. And maybe they fail me. Uh, and they do nothing, and then, and then like egg in my face next Monday. But yeah. I'm I'm heavy pressure. Let's do some fun oh, stuff. Oh, hey, um, couple weeks from now, or mm -hmm. in a couple weeks, or like the next week or so, isn't mm -hmm. Terrence coming to town? I heard that. Yeah, we he says he is it. right here. Is he really? Oh, there he is. So we oh, see us. Oh yeah, he's so maybe he'll get a live uh, in because we we botched our live mm -hmm. Skype call with him. But I maybe know, we'll get a be and sit in real. the studio. You know, he's not from Minnesota. I'm not a Minnesotan. Uh, <laughs> he's been here like three years. When you get you gotta like turn around. Uh, <laughs> there, so, oh, cool. uh, but ahead of time, what we're talking about. You can read. You can see sort of what we're talking about or what we try to focus on on some of these. Jump to. Like, you have to wait an hour. Yeah, Four topics. Is it all from Ask Beers TV or? Uh, no, there's um, sort of. I guess. No, right, we'll pick I them don't up. Know. Okay, well. So there's four of them here. We'll uh, start on the right and work our way to the left. So I don't know if this was actually a question, this first one here. Uh, no, I was going to end on that one, but right. we'll start oh, we'll on that start one. With it. Well, uh, hey, we're going to go through all at four. At some point in time, we're going to talk about each one of these. They might not be in order, but I'll link to when we do start talking about them. Basically, uh, we kind of want an update of, well, we were looking at an update of Brett Duncan's tank. He's the $20,000 tank Dream Tank giveaway winner. Yeah. Uh, and as you can see right here, it is set up and running and cycling and there's fish in it. All right, uh, next one. The next topic we'll talk about today is summer's almost here and how do we cool our tanks? Pretty good, good topic. All right, next one. Uh, we are talking about mixing old salt water with new salt water in mixing containers, probably for those people who are storing it and uh, probably have a little left and don't want to use the whole bit of it and just want to mix new stuff in. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give a little tidbit into uh, some of the salt stuff that we learned too in the last week because cool. uh, there's an evolution coming, guys. And then uh, one more uh, topic oh. that we'll link to last one. later on, and that is, we got it up here. 
Summer vacation. So, of course, everybody's leaving. Uh, going on vacation, spending multiple weeks, multiple days away from their tank. And uh, Brighton here has a very specific case around his tank. But we can give some you know, general uh, information that we learned from taking vacations. So. All right. Let's start with the easy one, man, because I like easy. Uh, the heat one. So, oh, yeah. Uh, let's read the whole question real quick. Summertime. So we're going to link to these. Again, if you want to watch any one of these, well, there'll be a link in the description, and you can hit the timestamp and watch the exact question. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so summer's almost here. Can you guys share how you cool your tanks? Like Christopher just posted this uh, this weekend. The, what's his name down there? Uh, Devin, Devin Rich Richmond stole mine, man. Reef air dudes. conditioner. Yeah, reef yeah. Dudes. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, reef dudes. Stole my first one, air conditioner. Right? So keep your house a steady temperature. Yeah, like it doesn't matter what it is like outside. In the same yeah. way in the winter, man, like I don't add extra heat to my tank because my house is heated. Mm. So first thing definitely is just maintain the temperature of your house. And it works. Uh, I mean, it's where uh, my 90s. window, you know, I could keep open throughout the day. It cools down a little bit at night. So I might let my uh, my home fluctuate temperature. Mm -hmm. But I did when I did have the tank. If your tank is getting too hot because you leave your windows open, close your windows, turn the air on. Uh, or we can start talking about the next solutions, but the easiest one is just maintain the temperature in your house to whatever you want. But I agree 100%. In the summer, I want to open up the windows. I want some fresh air. I've been cooped up in the house all, all winter, and uh, yeah. it's time for some fresh air. So uh, definitely uh, air conditioner first. Next? Uh, it, so a fan? Fan. It's probably one of the biggest ones. That's why I grabbed this this fan here. But okay. yep. uh, you can cabinet doors open, have that fan clipped on there, blowing over the surface of the water in the sump, or over the top of the tank if you have it. You know, over the lights to keep the if you have lights that pr produce heat, mm -hmm. uh, throw a fan on them, blow that heat away. Uh, but uh, this is the fan. This is the favorite around the office for sure. For sure. I, it, the Tunzi Aquastream or Air Airstream. So just for you, those who don't know, uh, you know, because not everybody knows the science behind all these things, uh, what's actually happened when you blow the air in it is you're causing evaporation. And evaporation is the release of energy, which is essentially the release of heat. So the more evaporation you can cause, or the sump, or wherever, and it is going to cause additional evaporation, which will help release heat and energy from the tank. Mm. So the more air you have, the more heat and energy you're going to release from the tank. The reason that this thing is popular is not because it's the cheapest and it's not because it's the most air. Oh, it was a nice stream across well, the tank. It was a nice stream, of, yeah, yep, right the across the tank. And like, uh, it is like 60 bucks though, isn't it? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's not cheap. Yeah, it's not cheap. It's not your cheapest option. Yeah, and just for those of you who don't but know, like, I mean, hopefully Roger or Tunzi don't kill me for the saying this. What this actually is, is a laptop cooler. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, so uh, it's got a little USB guy in the back, and you set your laptop on it. And I mean, I don't know if this matters as much these days. Laptops don't heat up the same way they used to. Right. But it's a laptop cooler. You put your laptop on top of it, blows air underneath it, and keeps it cool. <laughs> Except for they put this cool little bracket on it uh, for uh, aquarium. Or cooler or whatever. Find one of these things for half the price, but it won't have the cool little bracket on it. And you'll have to jerry-rig something, which is unsafe. <laughs> so I, I probably and you probably wouldn't get 60 bucks on a fan but a lot of people also don't want an air king giant fan on their tank blowing <laughs> it because it's ugly and this is a display tank it's meant to look pretty in your house you yeah. know it's essentially a piece of living art in your home and it isn't when we put jank all over it you know? <laughs> so uh i don't it's know the language i speak <laughs> This is we've got some we've got some uh, on the site I think from IceCap uh, they're four inch box fan or square box computer fans and actually we installed some on the um, on the floating canopy of the ones usually like in the summertime this little studio can get pretty warm uh, with especially on the weekend with nobody in here with doors you know not being open so for some reason this room doesn't get cooled as much as like the main office uh, plus the the warehouse is right here so the heat kind of penetrates through that door um, but we've had been known to bring in this industrial sized fan in here uh, over the weekend and point it at just the general tank area and then blow you know blow all that stuff around too so but opening cabinet doors even does a big thing even mm -hmm. instead of if you don't have a fan like open a cabinet or open your cabinet doors under your sump if you have them and open you know open the hood up a uh, hood to some degree will trap heat as well so, uh, you know, we do sell little computer fans, but honestly, if you have like something like a micro center or something in your uh, area, these guys mm. have spread around most cities now, but if you have a computer store in your area, I mean, you can pick up a computer fan 
for really, yeah. really cheap and a little DC plug for yeah. it. And you know, it's the same thing. Works. Uh, um, what about, um, so because there's more evaporation, that means I, I have to top off my ATO more often? Or, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. So inherently, uh, which is also brings you, know, brings you to the next, you know, another way to cool, like on the cheap, on the, on the dirty cheap, fill up a jug with RODI water, freeze it, and put it in the sump. You stole that from DIY Joey, I think. Did I? Nah. Oh, nah. no, he had heat it. He had to heat it when you put calcium chloride in it. Oh, and then throw, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> throw yeah, it in yeah. there. It's like no. cheap heater. Yeah, you could definitely put ice cubes in there if you like an emergency situation yeah, yeah, yeah. in a bag or whatever. Yeah, you start getting those alerts if you're mo monitoring it, or even if you're not monitoring you see your little 83, 84 tick marks go up. Yep. Like throw some something in there to cool it down. Better yeah, just turn your lights off. But you, I mean, yeah, but you could throw a frozen jug, you know, in the ATO reservoir or something frozen in there. Catastrophic problem. And then yeah. it's not like constantly bringing down the temperature. It's only bringing, it's, it's putting in cold auto top off water intermittently. So maybe that's a way to mitigate. I'd say that's like a catastrophic failure. Like yeah. uh, my air conditioner's gone out. It's 110 years. First, man, turn off your lights, even if it's for days, you yeah. know, while you fix your air conditioner because... There's storms in the ocean all the time, you know, the, yeah. like sometimes when the rainy season in some of these places, man, they may not see light for a week, you know, or like real intense light anyway, mm -hmm. maybe more, you know, so like don't be worried about having no light or whatnot. And you can turn off all kinds of stuff like your tank isn't going to go awry, the skimmer's not on for a few days yeah. and whatnot. So. Well, this is something that uh, we were talking heater or, you know, a, a return pump or, or, you know, a power head or something. I get a tank with a known temperature and then add a couple things in. So maybe if I have to shut off one power head but keep a single power head going, if it's that big of a difference, I don't know. I'd say the power head's actually per measurement of inefficiency, right? Mm -hmm. So like uh, the more heat that it puts off, the more wattage efficient it is. Only a 20 watt 20 heater. watts, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. uh, so I would say the biggest things tend to be uh, return pumps, specifically like the cheap AC pumps. Yeah. Not all AC pumps, just the cheapest ones. Mm -hmm. I, I a know. Skimmer with the same type of pump, a AC pump. Uh, yeah, well, if it was a, yeah, if it was a large one. Yeah. So I know way back in the day I tested this uh, even before Beers TV Investigates actually in my basement we did uh, mag drive pumps right. Oh yeah. And they added a lot. I of remember heat. I had yeah. one. Yeah. And so there was a lot of heat that came off that guy. Mm. You know, and so being good. submerged, all of it's coming off yeah. in, into the water. Around. Good for pond applications outside. It really doesn't matter for the most part. I think a lot of people were using them. Well, to be fair, I was doing it in a five gallon bucket. So uh, like a heat in a five gallon bucket is different than a hundred gallon tank. Well, I had eight. Of the MaxiJet 1200s that I was cleaning for the uh, salt mixing tests mm -hmm. in a single five gallon bucket, all of them turned on and running to clean them up. And I walked back and tested the tank temperature, and it was like almost coffee temperature, like really warm. Yeah, so that's the stuff. Is there any other questions, real quick, before we move on to the yeah, next one? There's one from Danny. All right, temperature wise, uh, how warm can the tank get before it becomes alarming to fish and coral? Or I guess. So the ocean, like, uh, I think, is, is like up to like 83 degrees or something 83 like is like the common, I think, a common yeah. cutoff for anything above, and you should really start taking measures mm -hmm. to cool it down. Yeah, the closer you get to that number, man, the further you want to be from it. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, yeah, if, I would say that consistency is the big thing. So, like, you know, in the ocean, if you've been diving, snorkeling, man, you'll see... Like, uh, you know, you can feel the cold currents kind of coming in and going mm. and warm air currents coming and going. It's all of a sudden, what happens if that stops and all of a sudden instead of 83 and 78 and 83 and 78, it's kind of coming around. All of a sudden, boom, just, it's all 84. Yeah. Like, uh, things just start going awry quick. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like a one degree change in some areas, man, everything kind of goes. So I would say in most cases I've seen not a lot of catastrophic events uh, to all the way up to like 81 and then every degree past that the chances go up really fast right? yeah so like exponentially fast hmm. so uh, and, it, and it also depends on how long you're there so somebody might say oh I might take it 83 no problem like 
is it 83 for the peak two hours a day or is it 83 for the whole thing yeah you know because that's a very different conversation yeah you know so hmm. and you may be just lucky and you may have actually adapted these corals to that as well but if your corals are always at 78 going to 83 probably not gonna be good and once it goes once one thing dies, man, it has a chain effect, man. It's just like all of a sudden they all give up at once. Yeah. You know, so. I mean, so for so for me, if I was uh, if I didn't have an apex or something that could send me like an alert or that my tank was getting high, I come the summer months when I know it's going to start being warm in here, I'd probably go to the you know the pet store and get one of those stick-on color indicator things, and you know maybe have a little digital one that that is uh, sticking to the side of my aquarium just so I can always look at my tank and glance at it and make sure that it's not hot because if I'm, my hands aren't in it then I don't know hey uh, by the way we just totally went over chillers oh yeah, yeah I don't know. hey there's a there's a way to cool your tank it's because I'd never use one yeah I, I'd avoid chillers at all costs I'd take equipment off before I read run a chiller myself mm. I, it's just another piece of equipment that fails it tends to fluctuate the temperature pretty drastically it's loud it consumes a ton of energy ton of energy yeah. uh, it needs a backup because it will fail and you've designed your system around the fact that it needs it yeah uh, it takes up a ton of space and you can't put it underneath your sump uh, or you shouldn't anyway because it works to exchange heat and you're just going to heat up your sump area and it's going to make it really hard for it to exchange heat so it actually should be out of your sump where it's ugly so the answer is you can definitely use a chiller uh, it's better in an area that is out in the open where it can exchange heat properly and not just heat up the room mm -hmm. and uh, man they're often loud expensive and yeah, I don't know. Somebody was uh, somebody was posted another th on a different thread in Facebook when I was looking at this one. Uh, somebody had also said uh, you know, was looking at stainless steel like wart chillers uh, like mm. for beer brewing. Like, could you put like a stainless steel metal coil that you run cold water through like into the sump and uh, run cold tap water through? Well, so I think that would make the most sense if you did it with uh, like a. One of them ground sinks, you know, uh, what do they call it, like geothermal oh, cool, cooling yeah. or whatnot, because like, you're just running a pump yeah. at that point. Uh, but if you have a cool area in your house that stays cool, you could probably put some kind of thermal uh, exchange in your house mm -hmm. and, and do that. And some people, some people run some plumbing outside, I guess, if it's cooler heat, or under heat the stuff ground. That way too, yeah, man, really. Same thing. Solar kind of. Huh. I don't know. Uh, yeah, that's uh, definitely a unique. Uh, those ten, the more advanced and finicky you get, the more likely it's going to fail, though. <laughs> you know, so true. just just be aware. Uh, I'm trying to think. Anything else related to heat before we move on? Ah, somebody called us out for not recommending a chiller, but we just did. So. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Uh, oh, we got two more questions before we move on. Uh, uh, the first, the top one, we already answered, and the bottom one is about calcium reactors. Oh, well, all right. Can a reefer use shells on the beach inside a calcium reactor? Of course, uh, uh, no. Uh, so a shell is a different thing than calcium carbonate. Uh, yeah. Maybe calcium. I'm not going to be sure. Speculate, yeah. I think it's different than calcium mm. carbonate. And uh, due to its nature, it probably will have higher phosphate in, mm. in it. I'm just wagering here. I personally would not be the one that would do that because the media is like four bucks a Yeah, me, I was going to say the same thing. Uh, like media is uh, media made for this purpose is you know pretty cheap. pretty cheap as it is and you don't it's not like you're replacing it every week you're replacing it probably every four six months maybe longer depending on your demand so like four four to eight bucks every four six or eight months that's yeah you know what scratch that I, I i wish to wouldn't do it but like i understand the question is yeah. why because it's all these right things there. are fun. Yeah, you go out to the beach, collect this stuff, bring it home. I mean, serve it to your, your tank. To the point of like two little, to his, to James's point here, like two little fishies every so every so often, like has a piece of shell in there. Uh, oh yeah, like that. I mean, it's not completely shells; it's coral skeleton. So but somebody actually told me, asked, uh, well, you know, where do you think they get that stuff from? Those little, you know, reef bones or whatever. Yeah. And somebody told me the other day that it was uh, potentially from sifting sand. So oh, okay. they go to sand companies and they sift out all the little bits. 
So technically speaking, you might be able to go to the beach and pick all those little bits up if you wanted to. Not the shells, probably, but the actual little coral bones. Yeah, it takes uh, it takes eight kilos to fill the Vertex uh, calcium reactor, which is Oof. two packages. Well, that's 20 bucks, man. I think I should buy it. Uh, <laughs> that'd be a lot of sifting. But I don't know, maybe it's a fun project. Cool. All right, well, so let's go to the next question here. Next topic, new and old salt water. Let's talk about that. Let's, let's see the, oh, no, the, oh, the new Here we go. Here it is. Does anyone mix old salt water with new salt water in mixing containers? So you think this means that they have some leftover? So I read a little further in the comments, and some people were saying, like, yeah, if I'm like, not if I'm lazy and I don't use all of it, I don't even know if using it all of it means you're lazy, but I say you're ready to mix up a whole new batch of 60 gallons, and you only have you you've only used 40 or 50 gallons of your last batch. You got 10 gallons left in there. What do you do with it? Like, if I don't want to do a manual change, if I'm running on auto water change system where I can't even access the water at the bottom anyway, mm -hmm. uh, or do I pull it out and clean it and then remix? Like, or do I just add new salt water on top of it and mix it in there? Um, I, my, for me, I would imagine like we do this all the time, but we go through like two, that 250 gallon bin at least once a week. So, and come Monday, there's probably you know anywhere from 50 to 80 gallons left in there that isn't used. Uh, and then it gets filled up with RODI water and then remixed with salt water. So at the dilution level, I wouldn't even see that it, older salt water would have anything uh, to do with it. I would absolutely top it off. Yeah. Like, uh, top it off and uh, bring it up. I can't imagine they're actually talking about old, actual old salt water from the tank mixing it in there. Cause that no, I, no. I think I, it's specifically... You got plenty of old tank water in here already. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. why, why mix it up? So it must be that, yeah, it must be that you are trying to mix it in the bin. I would absolutely do that. The only thing uh, about that is you're going to miss a chance to, you know, clean the bin, I guess, mm -hmm. you know, and dumping more can kind of stir everything up, you know. Uh, if you do it right, I think what we're going to find out here is that you might not get all that stuff in your bin, Yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, and so, I don't think there's any more questions about this specifically. So, if you got any questions about salt, man, shoot them on over. But uh, we've been talking about salt for a while now. Yeah, uh, let's let's preview like BRC what's to come. Investigate. So, the heated and circulated test is over, and that's coming out Friday. Okay. Uh, the results of heated and circulated at two weeks of storage, constantly heated, constantly circulated at 78 degrees, and like uh, I'll spill the beans. Nothing happened. Yep. <laughs> like in the first test. We saw a decrease in alkalinity and calcium on those elevated types of salts. Uh, we saw other elevated salts that should have followed, we would assume would have followed suit and had precipitate in the bottom of the tanks, uh, but didn't drop in alkalinity and calcium. There was probably uh, all but three of the eight salts had some form or several or even thick amounts of precipitate on the bottom. Uh, and then some had none, but, uh, now we're at the. Now we're wondering if it was heated. Is it because it was heated and circulated that this didn't happen, or with another investigative test, was it we didn't mix long enough to begin with? Because shortly after the first storage test, we I, I did the test for uh, how long does it take to mix your salt water? We all thought. I mean, everybody in the universe thought it was oh, an, hour. an hour. An hour, you yeah. know, whatever. Some people probably out there said, I don't know, five minutes? You yeah, know, like I used to hand one quick, mix. One quick spoon? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. In five-gallon buckets, I'd take a spoon, I'd mix it, mm -hmm. and then I'd come back ten minutes later and I'd mix it, and I'd call it good and use it in my tank. I got to tell you that I've done it 50-50 either way. You know, yeah. I've had, you know, powerheads in there mixing it mm -hmm. pretty much perpetually, and I've also, like, mixed it up to salinity and then, like, thought it was good and yeah. let it go. Uh, and now you're starting to see some real reasons as to why some of the other things I saw with both of those methods actually were happening. Yeah, with the you know with the salinity specifically, I think the the sodium chloride portion of the of the salt mix uh, probably from what I you know from what I'm guessing mixes the quickest like maybe like becomes is more soluble. Um, so when you test the water after an hour, like every time I tested my salt water mm. after mixing, you know, even for an hour or less than an hour or whatever, it would hit 35 parts per thousand on point. It was on point. That's a good point. But uh, from, our, from our testing of how long it takes to mix salt water, we see that clarity and color wise, 
uh, upwards of 10 hours, you know, 24. The shortest was seven. Yeah, like Tropic Marin Pro, which mixes up clear, almost, you know, almost like RODI water clear with nothing left over, still was, we didn't call it until seven or eight hours. Like, May and more over no, 24 hours. And a lot of them were still cloudy after 24, yeah. So when I say cloudy, if you're looking into your bin and looking down at it, you say, oh, that looks clear, you know, because it's a garbage bin and it's mm. dark in your basement or garage or wherever. Yeah. When we're talking, you know, clear, we're talking about a well-lit, you know, glass box with a reference next to it and a yeah. color eye chart, you know, behind it. So we can measure when the salt, you know, is visually actually dissolved, right? Yeah. Uh, it was a big difference. Yeah, very, very big difference than like looking in your bin. <laughs> That's uh, true. And big difference in terms of what you thought would happen. None of them were anywhere near dissolved in an hour, you know? Yeah. And so when we did that first test on, you know, if you're, how, how long? Uh, how long can you unheated and uncirculated? How long can you uh, store mixed salt water? Yeah, we only mixed it for an hour. Uh, and so we thought it was all dissolved. We mixed it for an hour and then we let it go. And then what you saw was various salts. Some of them had tons and tons of precipitate on the bottom. Some of them uh, were, you know, totally clear. And, you know, we kind of chalked that up to uh, like calcium carbonate precipitate on the bottom. And yeah. Like, cause you know, that's what it certainly appeared to be. But now we're thinking, it just wasn't dissolved enough Very and well all that stuff point. settled out, you know. We're going to get to the bottom of that yeah. question, but like when we did the, the heated and mixed for two weeks and then pulled the plugs, yeah, so no precipitate. There's well, One, there's no precipitate or anything during the two weeks of heating and circulating. In the exact same, like I have the exact same salt bins that we've been from day one testing. Mm -hmm. uh, so a lot of them are there. There's no change in like the in the uh, the salt mix that I have. Same same types of salts. Uh, so two weeks heated and circulated constantly, no precipitate. I just took the results. We're at this is week two. So uh, on Thursday this week, we'll get the results of two weeks after shutting off the heater and the shutting off the power head. If there's any precipitate. And I just looked at them this morning. There's still nothing in there. Yeah. Uh, but the levels were holding too. So the cool part about this is like, you know, everybody's in like hunt of the best salt or whatnot, right? So like maybe that exists, maybe it doesn't, you know? I mean, I will definitely tell you that between, uh, you know, serving up ground up, uh, you know, pheasant uh, from uh, the, you know, local, uh, you know, uh, pet store, mm. meow mix, and uh, blue buffalo, I have a hierarchy of which food I think is better. <laughs> but I'll keep them alive, yeah. you know, uh, uh, but, you know, to different degrees. And so in, in my mind, the salts are probably the same way, but, like, beyond that, we'll never probably get fully to the end of that conversation. But mm -hmm. we can get to is how to properly mix and store salts to be used properly regardless of which one you use, yeah. right? And so one of the things I guarantee we're going to find out is that it is not okay to, I shouldn't say not okay, but you should mix it fully, right? Like, so mixing it for an hour is not going to produce the best results. And you wonder where, right? yeah, and you wonder, like, so you see pictures and, and like, uh, posts of people who have thick amounts of precipitate on the Crossed bottom of their mixing over, barrels. And uh, you wonder, like, well, how long did you, how long did you mix it for? Because I imagine if you mix for 24 or 48 hours straight, and then shut it off or let it store it, you probably won't see that uh, same You're probably thing. not going to see that at all, like, or very little. Grant, we're only doing a 20-gallon container, so, like, if you're using the container and you put, you know, like, four buckets of salt through it, yeah. I mean, it's going to accumulate the, you know, the brown debris and stuff that we see in some of them we've pulled out in the sediment filters, and yeah. some of them definitely have more of that than others. You're going to see that accumulate in there, but the white crust, I think you're going to be able to avoid all of that stuff like entirely just by properly mixing it and uh, 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 yeah. well that's that's the next uh, the, so we were re so basically we're, we're redoing the first test uh, in that we will now uh, so now I'm on I just started that test today it's redoing the unheated uncirculated water storage test only this time uh, mixing for 48 hours and then cutting off the pumps I'm pretty certain that even in cold water, you're going to see none of that stuff. It was just uh, mostly about mixing it. Yeah. And so the nature, you know, part of the story is also, well, what if I don't want to mix it all the time? Well, there are some salts that don't require you to mix it very much. Yeah. Uh, and there's some that like probably require two days of mixing before use. 
and I probably you know you can decide which one you want of those you want to use. True. Uh, but uh, I got a couple of questions. Let's answer them. All right. Uh, let's see. How long can you hold on salt water with just a power head, no heater? Uh, oh. probably indefinitely. From uh, it's certainly seeming to look like that. Way. that. Like it, I think that. You know all the thought process that it was gonna like precipitate out over the years and like you can't hold it that long it, that also is dependent on the type of salt that you use if you use salt that has a bunch of organics and stuff in it that isn't gonna go as well but a lot of the like uh, more labby type salts the synthetics and pharmaceutical stuff it's, it's just salt water it's gonna stay you know probably a really long time especially mm. it looks like it looks like so far uh, mixed so after all these experiments are over, it's probably hard to follow all this jargon about the different things. You do one to wrap them yeah, up. <laughs> we're gonna do one, man, uh, that like really talks about all the stuff and gets down to what we literally learn from all of these things and yeah. how you can apply that to find a salt mix that works for your you know own uses. For sure. What's the next one? Uh, given the test you guys ran, would you say it's best to wait for the salt to fully dissolve before adding it to the tank? I mean, waiting about 24 hours. I can't. I can't I, imagine a scenario. I think it. going forward, after seeing uh, after seeing what I've seen so far, that I if I plan to do a water change and I'm not running an auto water change system, I'm going to start my salt the day before, like mm -hmm. Friday Friday morning or something before I go to work. I'm going to kick on the I'm going to kick on my pumps. I'm going to kick in my salt, and in, in that it leads it goes back to the same thing I was talking about. Like I think after you know an hour of mixing or two hours of mixing, I can go test the tank salinity and get know that I'm on point, and then let it finish 24 hours, uh, and it'll still be the same salinity. I, th I agree. Because I did it this morning. Like I got the tanks to mix up clear, and I'll go. What I'll do. I'll, I, and now that I've talked about this, I'll go back. But they've been mixing for about like four or five hours now, and I can go test the salinity. And I know that not, they're not completely fully homogenous, but. I bet the salinity is going to stay the same now. Yeah, so what I, I guess I'll say, man, is uh, you can obviously not, you know, mix it for 10 minutes and then use it because lots of people have done that mm -hmm. and, like, not going to have catastrophic results or everything, like the fish jump out and, yeah. uh, you know, corals all die. But, like, that really isn't the threshold of success either. Like, I'm pretty certain I can get, like, my meow mix that was uh, only mixed for a minute instead of the hours or whatever, and yeah. the cat probably stays alive. It doesn't mean <laughs> it was good for it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's salt water. We're creating synthetic seawater to be able uh, to house very sensitive species of animals in here, and, mm -hmm. yeah, dissolve the thing all the way before you use it uh, is the right answer. There's the cheap and easy answer. Uh, it's, I guess it's not even cheap. There's the easy, you know, an fast owl. answer, and then there's the right answer, and the right answer is dissolve it all the way before you use it. Which, yeah, like, leads me back to like, if I'm gonna do a water change on Saturday, I'm gonna start my water on Friday. I'm just gonna let it run for a day. No yeah. big deal. Uh, what, uh, I mean, it doesn't like, hurt anything. Uh, uh, the thought of using it inside of an hour now is like seems absurd. Probably. Uh, and like again, I've done it a hundred times and not killed everything, but like I still I have a higher standard than that. Once I know, I can't unknow what <laughs> what I'm doing. So true. Uh, what else we got in here? Uh, if my salt level is low, would you say it would be okay to hook my ATO to my saltwater bin? If my salt level is low. Uh, so, I don't know, ATO to your salt. Oh, I Maybe see what you're saying. It? So if your salinity in your tank is low, is it okay to put your ATO pump in your saltwater mixing bin so mm. it tops off with salt water rather than fresh water? That's probably not a bad idea. To raise the salinity. That's probably like the best idea. Because it doesn't like over a longer period of time. It's raising the salinity. Actually, there's been a couple of tanks in the last week that were uh, low in salinity and my solution wasn't exactly that. Actually, mm. you, know, you know what? They actually recommended that or asked to do that. But yeah. what I told them to do is just go around and dump a gallon of salt water in every day mm -hmm. and uh, you know it will come up on its own. It'll naturally right? evaporate the gallon of water out and salt will continue. Salt will stay yeah. in. So like that's just kind of an automated way of doing that instead of just adding a gallon every day yeah. you're doing it you know with your auto top off. Uh, the only problem with that is like monitoring Monitor it, it and making sure that you remember to switch it back. <laughs> that's uh, true. I'll tell you, for every 10 things I think that I remember going to go back and switch, nope. 10 of them I forget. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I, unless I, like, uh, get a ring or a rubber band on my finger, which I'll probably pull off and still forget. Yeah. Uh, there's so many things. And that's, like, 
That's like the hard, fast rule of the float valve for your uh, RO tank. Everybody thinks, oh, I'll just go I'll back just, and turn it off. I'll remember full. it. Yeah, I'll remember. Yeah. And then, like, I go up my buddies for beer and I come back to 80 gallons of water on my floor. Yeah. yeah I, so, we, yeah. Uh, we've all been guilty. I've been guilty many yeah, times. That, no good. <laughs> all, right, all right. So, what's the next one? Uh, there's Foley. Let's go to Funky G, who says, Do you fully seal your container when mixing? If not, how long can you leave a mixed batch open to the air? Um, so, for the testing purposes, I do loosely, loosely seal them. So, like a brute trash can lid. It doesn't seal airtight, but it seals enough to like keep back uh, a lot of evaporation. So you're not fluctuating your salinity like crazy over like two weeks. Might be some loss, but less when it's covered. Uh, in the in the testing tanks, I have cellophane over the top of it. Doesn't always get around all the edges. Sort of just loosely on there, kind of to replicate you know like a brute trash can. But I think in any one of those cases, uh, you're not gonna you wouldn't expect to see a whole lot of salinity change if you left it wide open and you have a pretty wide open top then you probably would change salinity which also changes yeah, alkalinity open, and calcinity yeah. yeah yeah and then if you're diluting with uh if you're diluting with just fresh water i mean you're starting to change alkalinity calcium you know salinity is something different yeah so you're gonna dilute say i had a 20 gallon uh, trash can or whatnot and then i you know lost two gallons in a day because i left it open or over over the week or whatnot that means that everything went up 10 percent 10%, you know, got more concentrated. 10% may not sound like a lot to you, but that's the difference between like 420 and 460 calcium. Yeah. Right? And so that sounds like a lot to a lot of people. So, you know, if it's more than that, it starts to get astronomically, uh, you know, impactful or exponentially uh, uh, impactful. So, like, just keep a lid on it and it's probably good. You just need to prevent evaporation. This is a big thing. Yeah. Cool. All right. Now let's move on to the next question. For yeah, sure. Maybe we'll come back to these other guys in a minute. Uh, Summer vacation. What is this question about? So Brighton uh, asks, okay, everyone, he's leaving for long periods of time, not able to have someone stop by. He lives in the country, so he doesn't have internet in the house, uh, has so no cameras. Would you recommend, say, a week time? What would we recommend for a week time frame uh, for things like auto top-off and food, water change and filter changes and everything else? Uh, so basically, I've, what I pulled from this question is, okay, so if you're not an Apex owner or an aquarium controller owner who has this monitoring or somebody who uh, you know has cameras or somebody who can stop by the tank, what precautions can you take so you feel like you can go on vacation man it's been a long time since i've taken vacation where there wasn't like an apex or a randy taking care of it <laughs> uh True. yeah I mean, we'll run the office here man there's enough people to take care of these tanks yeah. right and at home i've always had a monitor so i'd know you know if something went wrong so one for me definitely is like a larger auto uh, ato container mm -hmm. and two is some sort of automatic feeder so definitely gonna have to get an automatic feeder feed yeah. the fish right yeah uh, and it's not just feeding the fish, you've got a lot of corals, you're also you know, making sure there's proper nitrogen and phosphorus in there for them. Mm. Uh, and then, man. Uh, Salinity is a big one. So, like, yeah, the I, auto top of, I'd get a gigantic. Just get a brew trash, trash can. Just in. Fill it up with RO water. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's a risk that you could flood or something, but like, uh, I, you know what else I'd probably do? I mean, so, and this depends on the auto top off you have. Mm. If you have an auto top off that you trust, you know, emphatically. Uh, With redundancy systems yep. and all that, yeah. Like, uh, I might set the auto top off on a timer to turn on and off once a day. To reset it, Just in case there's like a timer reset in there. Uh, yeah. Now you're you're trading safety for your home with safety for your tank at that point. So like, I would look around and say, if this whole bin of water flooded my house, what would it do to my house? If it's on cement floors, probably nothing. Uh, what would happen if the tank evaporated? Hmm. Probably bad things. Uh, so, well, that in mind too, uh, if you don't already have the redundancy in place, like, uh, in between in between your auto top off line and your reservoir, you can put one of those mechanical flow lock things uh, you know, somewhere on the floor or somewhere where they might collect water. My biggest concern with like pulling a trash can in, if you don't test it before you leave, a lot of times those trash can uh, are taller than like your sump. 
So once that pump kicks on, a siphon starts happening. So if you're not there to watch it, like a few, like I wouldn't drag a trash can in, drop my ATO, leave my uh, ATO reservoir fill line in the sump where it is, and walk away, because uh, most likely that curve in the uh, water line is going to start a siphon. Uh, yeah. So I usually put like my ATO line in the display on the top. When you're gone, who cares about what it looks like? But you will st definitely stop any type of siphon if yep. it's up on top of your aquarium. Yeah, so uh, the other element of it would be, obviously, you go up by an apex or whatever, and the thing will, you know, tell you about all the problems. You can solve them for you, yeah. you know, trigger, you know, a different thing. You can turn it on, restart it from there, you know, whatever. Uh, I w this is what I would probably do. If I was uh, on a, you know, somewhat of a budget, the, uh, if I was, like, on a $200, I mean, if I got 500 bucks, I'll go buy an apex. End of story. Right. So if I got 200 bucks and I'm going on a vacation, this is just part of protecting my the animals that I care for. Mm -hmm. I'd probably buy a Senai. So the Senai I would plug into like a computer, and if I had to, I just bring the computer to the to the tank, right? Mm -hmm. And so in that case, it will monitor temperature, it will monitor the water level, it will monitor pH. Uh, the pH of the tank, and and ammonia and it will tell me you know the big things will be the water level though and yeah. even if the water level went down the temperature would stop most likely because the return pump would get jacked uh, if there was not enough water going through it yeah so in any case I'd be able to know that there is a problem and I gotta call my buddy Jerry or whoever it is probably my buddy Randy here uh, please help me save, save my <laughs> tank and uh, you know he'll have to put his fishing pole down and come help me but uh, in that case, it probably is about 200 bucks. If I get less, how much is a camera? Like uh, a digital well, camera like you can get at a store? Like a, like a, for your computer? Uh, pretty f fairly, relatively cheap. Like, oh, I think bucks? I've had some, yeah, like 50, 40 bucks on Amazon or in the computer store or something like that. Uh, which, yeah, for anybody, like you can log into this thing. Nope. Uh, so I had one when I was deployed to uh, Africa. I had one that I could actually pan left and right. This thing was only like 60 bucks. I could optical zoom in, I could zoom out, I could pan up and down, left and right and stuff. That was, that and was I could check. 50 bucks. It was like 50, 60 bucks. Yeah, really? it was the, like a D-Link camera. It was oh, cool. return, yeah, it was, it was so relatively That's cheap. what I would do. I would go get one of them sticky thermometer things, I put it on the front, yeah. right? I'd aim a camera at it, right at everything it. looks like it's alive. I open up my phone, uh, I'm about to go to the beach. I look at it, the tank's fine. I go to the beach. Right? <laughs> I mean, you're not gonna get real time monitoring if things go bad, but like, uh, at like you know, the tank generally can last a little while before things go wrong, so I come back from the beach, I check it again. You uh, know, somebody, I think I just might have caught a glimpse of it, but another thing here too, instead of uh, going to buy something like that, like, if you have a, an iPad, an old iPad, or an old cell phone laying around, you can, and it's in your house, you can FaceTime, point it at the thing. Can you break it and though to like be all the time? FaceTime it, so, oh, can you have it answer the phone? I don't think you can make it an answer, but also like all these things can't go into sleep, man. It's got to be 24 hours a day, or you got to be able to turn it on and yeah, off. True, the other. true, true. So hmm. like I, I can't like put my laptop there and close it, but it won't work anymore. Yeah, right? true. Well, anyway, yeah. Wow. So I'd find a camera solution. It would be the cheapest option, so that I don't have to have somebody over there. Or you can find your buddy to uh, like give him some barbecue and uh, a case of beer to stay in your house and call you upon an emergency. Yeah, that might be the cheapest. I'll, Actually, I'll go, you know what? I'll go take care of you if Barbecue I get to stay in and your beer house. Barbecue and whatever damage my buddy does in my house costs more than the Senai. Buy a Senai. Buy a Senai. Cool. Uh, obviously, man, we here use uh, Apexes on almost everything. Yeah. And I just don't want to get stuck on that as being the only answer is 500 bucks because yeah. that's uh, not, not realistic for everybody. Uh, but in the end, man, if you look around your coral or your tank and you say, you know what? Those three corals were 500 bucks. Yeah, like do the math, man. Let's start protecting this stuff because it's gonna get. If you start looking around all over the place, like it was five hundred bucks, or like you know, this coral was this big. Well, now it's a colony that you could break up into forty of those things. It's worth protecting at yeah. that point, you know. So, yeah. well, so that's food. That I mean, that's food, and that's auto top off. Those are probably the biggest concerns when you're leaving: is feeding I'd, the fish and keeping the tank topped off in the right salinity over time while you're gone. I'd probably turn off a lot of like. Do you need a skimmer? Equipment. Yeah, we skimmer is just gonna the cup's gonna fill up unless I had like a like one of those Varios uh, skimmer reef octopus skimmer like the Varios oh, pump. Yeah. It's got the built-in float switch. It'll just shut itself off. I'll do that. 
or if I've done the apex, you know, float valve or float, you know, optical float or any one of those types of things, they do have, if, even if you don't have one of those or an apex, there's that, uh, I think it's auto aqua or what have you, the, um, the little optical sensor that clips onto the side of the cup and then it runs on a smart outlet and you can plug the actual skimmer in there. You can use any skimmer and that gives you some sort of like, hey, my skimmer cup's full and now it just shut my skimmer off instead of constantly running it. I think you can make a solid argument as to why you should turn your skimmer off. Or just shut it off. Yeah, I, and it depends on how dependent your system is on that skimmer. You know, if it's a super, super critical component of your overall filtration or if it's just something you kind of take out a little bit every, you know, how much attention you put to it. Mm -hmm. So uh, alternatively, I would set it to be way low, like super, super, super dry foam when I, if I was gonna go out of town. So yeah. I'd set it up so that, you know, like a lot of times when you set it up dry too, it actually doesn't collect anything in the actual cup. But when body. I go into the body, man, I can just Thick. scoop out, which is very clearly crap. Doing its job yeah, still. It's yeah. just not going into the cup. It's collecting is uh, scum on the inside of the neck instead of in the cup. Yeah. So I might just set up to work like that uh, instead of uh, trying to collect in the cup, which could overflow and, you know, do all kinds of yeah. nasty stuff. Uh, and also, like, if it just, like, starts to go crazy and then it floods all that nutrient back into the tank that it took out, I think that rapid rise in nutrients is actually worse than the slow rise of not removing it at all. So, uh, yeah, fair enough. You know, point. obviously, I had somebody check on it. All right, man. Well, uh, we got about 10 minutes here. We can ask some more questions. One more oh, thing one more. Oh, to yeah, talk about. Um, it's not here anymore. Oh, we lost it. Uh, so, we had uh, the picture of Brent, the 20K giveaway guy. Uh, Brent, uh, Brett Duncan, uh, he won. Oh, uh, oh, we're getting it back up here. So uh, I was just cruising through the SBRS TV page, and oh. uh, his post from a while ago came up, and this is his current profile picture on his Facebook page, which is the Reefer 750XXL with the uh, Radeon 15s. Uh, so I went over to he's got a build build thread on um, Reef to Reef, and if Can you, you just up for again? if you type in if you type in 20 like the dollar sign 20k and search on Reef to Reef the forum. His thread will pop up. It's like good times with the 20K giveaway, Dream Tank giveaway tank oh, or cool. something. Uh, he's on 14 pages of the build thread. Uh, he has had some. I guess he didn't quarantine or didn't uh, or didn't have the opportunity to quarantine some fish that he put in there. Mm. There's been a couple of fish losses, but right now he's working on a quarantine system setup, uh, from what I've read, and looking to replace the fish. But he looks at. It looks like he's at the point of putting in tester corals and he still has the uh, WWC $500 in corals things to uh, to get to I'm pretty the sure 5000 $5,000 in corals yeah. from WWC. So, so yeah, uh, I was going to actually mention that. I think it's super cool that he doesn't have corals in it yet. Yeah. Uh, that he's taking it slow and that he didn't just put $5,000 in corals in there and kill him. Yeah. Uh, so the fact that, it, that it's still cycling like that, I mean, I think it's pretty neat. I'm sure the WWC guys are helping him along with advice oh, yeah. and how to make sure that he cycles it properly. But, hey, that's really cool, man. I like we were all a little worried when we were going to give away a $20,000 tank whether or not somebody's actually going to build a tank out of it. So the fact that it's Brett did it like drastically increases the chances that next year we'll give another $20,000 tank away. <laughs> you know, so uh, that... Thanks, Brent. Uh, thanks but, for everybody. Thanks to everybody, Brent. Or Brent. And everybody thanks you, I bet. Yeah. That, but well, yeah, man, that, that was super. That was one of the more fun lives that I think we ever did. Almost broke the internet. Yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, and <laughs> I, I just... Yeah, I don't want to thank everybody that was involved in that. That was super fun. It was so, really fun. I uh, can't wait to see the corals in it. Yeah, so Brent, we want an update. Uh, we need some more pictures. All so right. send them on the Facebook page or something. All right, we got a few more questions and we'll call it a day. So let's answer these guys. Let's rattle them off. Okay, uh, start from the top. Hey, BRS, what are the corals behind you? Love them. Justin. Oh, um, I don't know. Okay. There's uh, a lot of leathers. There are two, a purple leather, green leather. Uh, those are the big giant ones over here. There's a, a torch coral here in the top. Uh, looks like some kind of frog spawn down here that's purple. We got some uh, uh, Hydnophoras in here. There's a, a nice SPS colony of highlighter um, back here. That's what this whole green area you can't really see here, but it's actually growing in really well. Uh, big old bubble coral right in the middle. Big old uh, Ghani down yeah, there. Yeah, the, the big Ghani is the, probably oh, my man, favorite down here. Uh, we, I haven't paid attention to that in a while, man. I know, I'll, I'll have Adam, I'll see if Adam can post some to our social, but 
the Ganiapora is uh, or Ganiapora, whoever you are, wherever you are. Uh, it's actually it's like the polyp extension has got to be like three inches on some of those, two and a half, three inches on some of those. So, and then a mix of other little corals in there. It's pretty cool. So, uh, I mean, you see corals like this, and I gotta say that in general, tanks like this are the often you know viewed as the most impressive because you got big old euphilias and whatnot, mm -hmm. you know, flowing around, the Ghani's flowing around. It adds a sense of movement to a tank, unless you're like a natural born stickhead. Yeah. You know? So. That's where the fish, fish are the movement and the sticks are just pretty in there. I would say rare and hard drive the motivation. So, you know, SPS were considered hard and now they're getting less hard uh, as the knowledge, you know, evolves. Mm. Now, euphilia is getting more rare. And mm. so, like, euphilia tanks are suddenly, like, uh, you know, more popular. They're pretty not cool. more popular, but becoming more popular. Something about a moving coral that's uh, pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd take this tank all day. Absolutely. Instead of a the, stick tank. Especially the, uh, uh, the softies, man. Like, uh, you can go up to a tank that has, like, Giant. maybe $100 with the softies in it that a year from now is just filled and just super, super cool. So, like, to get an SPS tank to be filled and super cool, Thousands. I mean, you're, you're uh, just took your wallet and just shaking it out <laughs> every day. So, uh, you know, with the softies and stuff, it's a lot easier. And even the, you know, the uh, euphilias and stuff, they, they grow faster than yeah. you think. You know? Oh, so, yeah, for yeah. sure. Right on, uh, Rick Gasson, can you cool your aquarium with a fan on the sump rather than on the display tank? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, depending on how big your sump is, like for the 160, the sump is probably like a four footer. Uh, but it's sectioned off, so there's chambers and stuff in there. So you're probably limiting the amount of water that, or the air that can flow over one certain surface area. The ma the majority of the surface area is over the six foot tank, though. It's wide open top. Uh, you're getting air movement on that's probably the water's also turning over oh, usually from the power heads. Yeah. Uh, so you're exposing more more surface. So. Yeah, definitely better on the tank itself, but if you can't do that or don't want to because it's ugly, sump. Uh, the sump, especially if you can vent the sump area itself after you get you create the evaporation and get it out of there. Yeah. Oh, right. Adam mentions on Facebook, uh, for those watching, that the Ghani that uh, we were talking about is on our Instagram page. He took a recent pic of it a while ago. Oh, so check it out. Yeah. Uh, Jake asks a few questions. He's got three of them up here on the board. Well, would you... Mix a whole new batch of salt water in your mixing station if you only need another gallon or two for your display tank. Huh. Uh, would you mix a whole new batch if you only need a gallon or two? I don't know, why not? Yeah, because you can store it for a long time. Yeah. You know, so as long as I mix it up right and I'm using a salt that allows me to store it, some of them don't store as good as others, but like most of them are storing pretty good as long as you do it right. Mm. So, yeah, why not? I mean, yeah. I don't want to mix up two gallons every time. Well, and plus, like, mixing up five gallons, if it takes, it'd be, it's smaller water volume, so maybe this process happens faster with more flow than what we found in a 20 gallon tank. But still, like we're finding, that I would still now I still don't want to mix salt water more than uh, less than you know maybe five, six, seven hours depending mm. on my salt. All right, what would be a good for an auto top off or auto feeding corals? Food oh. for auto feeding corals. So reef chili works really good in like the AFS feeders and the intelefeed. Intelefeeds. Same form uh, and function. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I'd say that you gotta be careful a little bit with some of the tubes and types of tubes that you use in like liquid foods, mm. you know, because uh, they tend to like, I don't know what they're doing, but they're definitely deteriorating some of the plastic. Oh yeah, okay. So I'd try to use like RO tubing is probably better than like that soft type of mm -hmm. tubing. Like, I don't know if it's amino acids or whatnot, but yeah. they clad them up and <laughs> I don't know, ruin them. Well, a lot of that stuff, either one needs to be mixed prior to use, that's what they say. So you have to come up with some way to mix it and it needs to be refrigerated in some cases. So finding one that doesn't have to be shook, shaken or refrigerated to put on an auto doser. Now there are, uh, I forget who I was talking to at one of the trade shows. I think it was Orlando. Uh, one of the reefers, he was just like, hey, man, I've got those those magnet mixing things. And mm -hmm. I tell my Apex to turn on 10 minutes before my dosing pump turns on to dose these amino acids and stuff. I was like, that's pretty geeky, but awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I think uh, RT used to have them in the fridge, you know, yeah. to do that. And so he, you know, plumbed it all into the fridge to be able to dose out of the fridge. So hmm. careful where you drill. Uh, speaking of auto feeders, a lot of people had commented because they saw pictures of it, but 
On the uh, 750XXL and here on the BRS160, our auto feeders are hanging upside down like bats. And people are interested in, uh, does that work? Does that change anything? Does it still work? It makes a full 360 degree rotation. So whether it's mounted up or down or on the rim, I like it now because it don't have to have it on the rim of the tank. Yep. Uh, it's hanging on the Well, hook. the rim, uh, uh, if you have like a screen net top, sucks. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it works a little goofy. It's not, it doesn't work the exact same way, but it works. So. Well, yeah, well, if you're doing like powder foods, like reef chili, and, you're ha and you have it this far high above, and you're trying to dose it, the slightest <laughs> breeze will blow your reef chili all over the place. Yeah, maybe that's true. Yeah. Uh, but it's cool. It works. All right, what else is there? Andre. Andre, do you recommend weaning your tank off of Zeovit uh, Zeolites if you want to go to the Triton method? Or just uh, stop using the zeolites cold turkey when switching to the Triton method. Slow as to as you Always. could possibly do, yeah. man. Like uh, I, uh, man, I would just do the Triton method. I just because you know the zeovit doesn't have a calcium uh, alkalinity solution in the U.S. Right. In, in in Europe they do, but in the U.S. they don't offer a calcium alkalinity. So I just use that here. I'd probably get the fuge going, turn the fuge on, get the fuge working in conjunction, and then slowly wean the the zeolite stuff mm -hmm. uh, out of the mix. But uh, this is what I'll tell you: expect challenges. Like anytime you drastically change any element of the tank, you are going to run into a period where, like, if, you know, if you don't, you know, bravo to you. But most people are going to run into an issue where. You know, things don't look as good as they should. Just ride it out, you know, do all the things you can, keep it as stable as possible, and in six months it'll look like it was brand new. Yeah. But anytime you drastically change the whole filtration, the way that the tank utilizes and, you know, a, a exits nutrients and stuff, uh, don't expect the tank to thank you for it. Asking and, for uns uh, an instability. Yeah. yeah. All right, man. All right, well, let's have four here. We got two more. Let's, uh, let's just shoot real quick. Okay. Uh, Jake asks, how far would you travel to save a tank? A hundred miles or across the country? Well, how far would you travel to save a tank? He'd call me. Oh yeah, well yeah. Or Josh. Know. Myself, man. Like, well, it depends on the investment, man. If I got years into this thing, man, like I'll get on a plane, dude. It's like three hundred bucks, you know, oh, yeah. to like go save my tank. Like, say the say you had the WWC nine hundred gallon system in your house, and that was your system. And oh, one, would you trust yeah, anybody to, to do anything? But yeah, yeah fly overseas. Yeah, but like, uh, I mean, in all honesty, man, like, uh, you know, my wife might be super excited about us, but like, if I was down in Florida and I looked at my camera and the camera said tanks going to crap, Completely. and I don't have anybody that like everybody hates me and nobody wants to help <laughs> me out and I have no friends, then uh, I go to the airport, buy a three hundred dollar ticket to get home, go fix the thing, and then come back a few hours later, man. Uh, tell my wife to go get some dinner, because uh, it ain't that big a deal, man. You know, and like. I mean, I got so much time and money and investment in the tank. I I travel pretty far, man, to, to save my own tank. And then if I was going to save somebody else's tank, it depends on how much I like that person. I mean, yeah. yeah I, don't know. I don't know. Well, what you don't know if you're saving somebody else's tank is how much they spent on that scoli or those corals. Like what I know is that the $300 ticket to fly back home mm. is about the price of the one of the scolies that I had in there, if not multiples of corals That's times true. 10. It's true. All right, what else? Last one. How much flow are you using in your test mix tanks? That's a good question, Dave. Oh. Uh, we're using, I'm using a Maxajet 1200 in both. So when we did the... Uh, I've used Maxajet 1200 for all of the tests other than the mix for... With the prop on it, you should say. Yeah, the, I'm sorry. With the... Yeah, it's not the... It's not the... You can hook hoses to it and shove water type uh, utility pump, but it is like the power head com configuration with the prop uh, and the guard. Uh, the only time I didn't use a, so there's a single one in each one of those tanks, which really does, you know, 20 gallon, you know, cube tank, tw uh, I forget the dimensions of it, um, 18 by 18 or something. Uh, it does circulate the water pretty well. But when we did the, how long does it take to mix my salt water test, where we did the 24 hour time lapse, it was two of those uh, because we found that there was dead spots. Uh, if we just dumped the salt uh, and then walked away, there was this big crust of salt that you had to either manually mix up to because it crusted over. 
uh, in which case we put a power head this way and a power head this way so it created this vortex inside the tank in 20 in a little box uh, where that didn't happen uh, so there was that much flow in there. That's really a really good point, man. That you had a 20-gallon tank that we're trying to make salt thing. We needed two pumps to do it properly. Yeah. Uh, and it still took a minimum of seven hours, mm. right? So, like, put that into thought. For me, what I like to do is generally in a square box like that, it's harder to not create dead spots. Yeah. In a round container, less so. So, uh, if you can, in a round container, if you can just get the water spinning, you know, uh, you're probably good. So aiming a power head of some type uh, in a direction and get the water spinning and you're probably good. A gyre is great for that. Gyre would be super you can awesome. put them straight up and down vertic or vertically, point the, uh, the each power or each of the flanges on there, each I'd of the sides. Probably get an ice cap one in that case because yeah. the ice cap ones are way cheaper. Yeah, for sure. You know, for that purpose. Mm -hmm. uh, I think a uh, uh, one of the tunes is that has the nozzle on it. So if you look at a tunes uh, power head, the longer the little snout is on it or exit point, the more focused the flow is. And in this case, you want to get some velocity going. Mm -hmm. So on the powerheads that don't have uh, any focus flow, it won't work as well for this. Mm -hmm. And also the tombs, you can obviously point in a direction yeah. and get it to work. Sure. All right, well, we'll wrap it up today, man. Uh, hey, by the way, I saw this really cool video today uh, of Jake Adams snorkeling. So, right. uh, yeah, he's snorkeling somewhere. It was the neatest video, and it was really cool to see somebody who really knows a lot about biology. Uh, and uh, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I haven't watched a whole one of his videos in a long time, and I watched all 15 minutes of it today, dude. Cool. So, like, I just thought it was really, really cool. And uh, if anybody's interested, uh, go to Rebuilders and watch uh, their channel, man. It was neat. Yeah, for sure. So awesome. Random. All right. Well, that's it. See you next week. All right. Take care. Or in a few days. <laughs>